0: Oh, great God, we worship and honour and praise you tonight because you're so worthy. And Father, we just thank you for the privilege and honour to come and to uh, just meet with you, really. But to do that corporately, Father, we're so blessed, so blessed. And uh, God, we just want to acknowledge your greatness and your goodness. And we just want to acknowledge and thank you, Father, that your Word is powerful and it speaks to our hearts. we just pray that that's the very thing that we'll do this very night as we come before You, that You would speak to us, that You'd challenge us, that You'd move in our hearts in such a way that only You can do, Holy Spirit. A prayer, You, you know, God, I've often prayed, but please, Lord, less of me and more of You, that You would do a work that only You can do, great God. It's not about us, it's about You. It's about You being glorified, You want it, You receiving all the glory. That's what we desire, that's what we want. So we just pray from the bottom of our heart that you would move in our hearts in this moment, in this time we have. And so blessed we pray and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Thanks so much, Ben. It's really good to have you here tonight. I just want to welcome you as well. And we, uh, it's a good time to come actually as we launch into this series, a uh, series that we're doing churchwide, as you've already heard in Galatians, looking through the book of Galatians. And we're going to look at this over four weeks I remember many years ago now, uh, my parents built a house in Fernie Hills and I was about six months old at the time when they finished building the house. And it was probably one of my earliest memories, but uh, I must've been about three or four years old at the time. And uh, you know, so it's a relatively new high set house. It's got a great outlook onto the Kepera golf course down the fairway there. And, And like I said, it's a nice, it was a fairly new home at this time. So I was about three or four, so I was about three or four years old. And I remember downstairs uh, where they are, there's a, uh, there's a fireplace and most of the house is just uh, done in plasterboard, but this section is done in brickwork, sort of like nice brickwork uh, where this fireplace is. And so uh, I remember on this a particular occasion, I remember it distinctly, it's been sort of seared in my mind, but I remember on this occasion looking at the brickwork of this fireplace and it's, it's quite beautifully done, but I remember thinking I should make it better. I should make it better. And so I went and found uh, where sort of my crayons were and all that sort of stuff. And I found this really big red dark red crayon and I grabbed this crayon and I proceeded to uh, really kind of jazz up uh, this fireplace area and make it so much better. And I grabbed the the, the red uh, crayon and I drew all through the, uh, actually I made it really difficult to clean up because I actually drew in all the mortar lines where you kind of got to get a brush and get in there. So I drew in all the mortar lines, I drew all over the bricks and I just kind of just did this extraordinary piece of artwork uh, all over this brickwork. And I've gotta be honest with you, I distinctly remember, uh, even from that very early age, I remember being excited uh, when my parents saw how much I had made their fireplace better. And uh, well, the rest is history. My mum eventually came and saw it and I was genuinely so excited but she was not impressed at all. And uh, I remember that was probably one of my first memories of getting pretty badly in trouble that day. And I remember my mum uh, that night, you know, kneel on her knees trying to scrub uh, this red crayon off the fireplace. But my heart, my desire was thinking, I'll just make this better. Like it's already looks great, but I'll make it heaps better by doing uh, what I feel like uh, would be a good idea to it. The thing is, when it comes to tonight, we're gonna specifically look at the Gospel and this is really what Galatians is about. Now, the Gospel means good news and it's not good news for just some people, for the elite, for those that do the right things, for those that go to church, for those involved in connect groups, all those sorts of things. Whatever you may have thought or perceived about uh, the good news and having a relationship with God, uh, the good news is good news for all people. Like I said, it's not just for some, it's not just for the elite, it's for everybody. The problem is this, and this is what Paul is writing in this book of Galatians. He's writing to the church in Galatia to break down this perception that they have crept into or they've started to creep into this perception that yes, Christ and what He has done for humanity is good news, but we're just gonna add a few things onto that and make it better. Just as I tried to to make the fireplace area better by drawing what I thought would be better, it doesn't make it better. And in the same way, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia to remind them and to tell them the good news is good news on its own. Don't add anything to it. Don't try and make it better. Don't try and achieve more for God as if He's going to be impressed with you. It's not about that. What Christ has done for humanity is good news. And that alone is your entry point to heaven. That alone, Christ Himself is all that you need. One of the questions that a mate asked me many years ago when I first discovered the truth of this and my life was transformed is when you get to the gates of heaven and God says, why should I let you in? What are you gonna say to Him? I didn't really have a clue. I didn't know. I just thought if there's a good God, surely He would let good people into heaven. And I feel like I've been fairly good. The problem is how good is good enough? Well, the Bible teaches that how good is good enough? Perfection is the entry point to heaven. And nobody can reach perfection. That's just, it just it's not possible. And yet what we discover, the good news, the of the Gospel is that Christ lived the perfect life we should have lived and He died on behalf of us. He died in replacement of us. You see, the reality is I deserve hell, I deserve death. The consequences of our wrongdoing, our mistakes and our sin and our suffer the consequences of that is death. And I deserve death, I deserve hell. But the good news of the Gospel is this, is that Christ steps in in the midst of our helplessness. He steps in and He rescues us. He saves us and says, you don't have to die on the cross. I will do it for you. This is good news. And like I said, it's not about what you've done for Him, what you could do for Him. It's simply coming as you are and receiving this free gift that is on offer to all people. This is why I'm so passionate about it. This literally is life changing for humanity, for anybody. Even for you this very night as you sit here, for some of you, you come tonight and you go, I don't even know how I got here. Why am I here? And yet it's for for you too. It's for all people. This good news that Christ stepped into the world and became the Saviour of the world so that we could know the Creator of the universe, so that we could have a relationship with Him, so that we could have life and life to the full now and forevermore as well. Your heart has searched, your heart has journeyed, your heart has longed for so much more. You've searched for it in career. you've searched for it in power, you've searched for it in money and your heart longs for something more and you, you don't know what it is. You can't pinpoint it, but the answer is Christ and Him alone, not Christ and something else, simply Christ and what He has done for humanity. And tonight you have an opportunity to respond to Him. Tonight you have an opportunity to say, I want that, I want that for my life. I wanna know the love of God in my own life and your life could be transformed from this moment on. Your life could be changed forever. It'd never be the same again. This is the good news of the Gospel. And so Paul is writing to the church in Galatia and he's reminding them of this good news, the essence of the good news. Don't be persuaded, don't be put off, don't add anything to this Gospel. It's Christ and Him alone. It changes everything when we understand the love of Christ and what He's done for us. It changes our lives. I rang this afternoon one of our young adults. I don't think she'd mind, but a few weeks ago when we launched Young Adults, it was so good to launch for the year. And, and I just thought, you know, that afternoon, I remember ringing uh, Shah, one of the young adults uh, that comes regularly. And I said, hey, would you mind just sharing a little bit of your story? Because we say, one thing we say often in young adults is what you celebrate reveals what you value. What you celebrate reveals what you value. And we celebrate changed lives. Why? Because we value changed lives. This is what it's about. We think that this is at the centre and the core of God. And so I said to Shah, I said, would you mind just jumping up very briefly, but just sharing your story and how your life has been changed, particularly in the last couple of years. And she said, yep, that would be no worries at all. But I was so so impacted as she shared. She shared about how she encountered someone on the train and she was going through some stuff at the time. And this young adult girl invited her to one of our young adult events and she came along. But at the end, I just said, Shah, you know, when you responded, when you uh, surrendered your life to Christ, how has your life changed since then? And it was so cool her answer, I just loved it. Cause she said, you know, for me, it's about identity. That's what changed most is my identity. She said, and we chatted a little bit about this afternoon as well, but she said, you know, a few years ago when I didn't know Christ, it was all about who I was with. It was all about, you know, she said, I used to wear makeup all the time because I was concerned about what I looked like. And I always had to be, you know, the funniest person in the group, or I always had to be seen as, you know, doing this and that. And I always had to be up, up with the latest fashion and all those sorts of things. My identity was found in all sorts of things and what people thought of me. But she said, the greatest change that took place in my life is when I surrendered to Christ all of a sudden my identity was in Him and she said the biggest thing is I found a freedom I don't care about what people think of me anymore I don't care what I might look like she said this was crazy she said I'm up here I got my wisdom teeth taken out a couple of days ago my mouth and my jaw is puffy I'm basically wearing my pajamas up here but I don't care why because I know who I am in Christ I'm the I'm I'm the king's kid I'm 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 a child of the living God that's who I am And it changes everything. And she spoke with such a sense of freedom. And tonight, maybe your heart's long for that sense of freedom. Maybe your heart is long for that deep inner identity of who you truly are. And let me say this, God loves you who you are. Who you are is enough. He loves you just as you are. You can come to God just as you are. He doesn't love you because of your past. He doesn't love you because of what you're going to to become. He loves you just the way that you are. And that changes everything. It brings a freedom like no other to your life. Imagine the creator of the universe saying, hey, I love you, I love you, I love you. Tonight, some of you need to hear that. Tonight, some of you, maybe you've had a father that, that, that was abusive, maybe you had a father that didn't love you and, and it's hard to believe that. But tonight, know this, that He loves you just as you are. Your heavenly Father, the creator of the universe says, I love you, I love you. And nothing, nothing could separate you from that love. It's extraordinary. I read a story recently, a Hebrew lady once told how seeing another Christian's faith converted her. She was fleeing the German Gestapo in France during World War II. She knew she was close to being caught and she wanted to give up. She came to the home of a French Huguenot, a widow lady met her and said that it was time to flee to a new place. The Jewish lady said, it's no use, they will find me anyway. They are so close behind. The Christian widow said, yes, they will find someone here, but it's time for you to leave. Go with these people to safety. I will take your identification and wait here. The Jewish lady then understood the plan. The Gestapo would come and find this Christian widow and think she was the fleeing Jew. This Hebrew lady said, I asked her why she was doing that and the widow responded, it's the least I can do. Christ has already done that and more for me. The widow was caught and imprisoned in the Jewish lady's place, allowing time for her to escape. Within six months, the Christian widow had died in the concentration camp and later this Hebrew lady accepted Christ as her saviour. Why? Why did she accept Christ? Because she encountered a love like no other love before. A love that was sacrificial. A love that said, I'll lay down my life for the sake of yours. And it impacted her heart in such a way. She responded and her life was never the same again. This is the love of Christ that you can encounter. This is the love of Christ that for some of you, you've already encountered this is, the, this is the love of Christ that again, this very night you can surrender and say, God, show me your love again. Show me your love afresh because I know when I get a fresh revelation of this love, it changes everything for me. This revelation changes me. It, it, it sends me out because of how you have loved me. I then want to go and love others Likewise, in the same way, this is what Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. He's, he's writing the very essence of the gospel. Don't miss it, don't lose it, he says to them. What's going on at this time is there's, uh, there's uh, Judaizers that are coming in and beginning to share with them. Yes, Christ is the essence of the gospel, but, but just you have got to fulfill these laws as well. And, and it's the wrong gospel. And he's saying, don't be persuaded by that. Don't be caught in, caught, in, um, uh, caught in that. It's simply Christ and Him alone. That's the truth of the gospel. And so Paul says right at the start of his letter in verse three, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. But verse four, he says, Who gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here, Paul is writing basically the essence of the gospel. He starts his letter to them, to write to them, to encourage them. And I love this. My opinion is, as he writes this, he's just reminding them this is the gospel. This is the gospel. What's the gospel? That Christ, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God. It was God's will, it was his desire that he sent his son into the world to be the sacrifice that we. We desperately needed, we needed a saviour. We needed a saviour. And Christ stepped in and He was that saviour for us. And this changes everything. It changes everything. It changes our identity, who we are. It changes everything about our lives. It's the gospel. This is the good news. A God who sends a saviour into the world. The missionary God seeking and saving those that are lost. We've all been there. And what some of you this very night know that's you tonight. I feel lost. I don't, I don't know what this means. I don't quite get it. And I don't understand it. No, I was there too. I didn't understand it all. I'm still learning about this. What does this mean for my life? The love of God for me. But I tell you what, it changes everything. It changes everything. I love recently uh, and, and my wife and I have just been watching a few movies and I think maybe I've had a few nights off recently and so we've just really jumped on the movie bandwagon and, and uh, we've been kind of watching some of these Christian movies and they're actually not half bad. Um, so, uh, so for, for we saw that um, what's that one with Priscilla Shire in it? Uh, war room. It's not too bad. War room. I was encouraged, and so we're actually setting up one of our back rooms for a war room. And um, and then we saw the other one as well as God's not dead. If you haven't seen that, it's actually worth a watch. It's quite powerful. And then there's a sequel, which I thought, oh, how, you know, sequels aren't never, you know, aren't normally as good as the first one. But the sequel's just as good as well. So God's not dead 2. Make sure you watch that. But um, but but there's something thing about movies that I often watch movies oh no that's what I was going to say then we watched this other one and uh and and it was a movie that I remember seeing many years ago and I love movies where there's kind of like a real twist in it and you're not too sure what's going on it's like a bit of a thriller sort of movie I'm not sure if that's allowed or not but I like them and and um and so so I love those movies where you're kind of just confused and you're like what's going on here and what's happening and and I really wanted Raquel to watch this movie and so uh, all of a sudden, so we're able to hire this movie and we watched it this night. And I do remember the ending wasn't kind of, you know, necessarily a happy ending, but you know, it's, it's just this kind of whole mixed up movie. But anyway, we got near to the end and the good guy was about to capture the bad guy and all this sort of stuff. And in the end, he gets killed, like the good guy gets killed. And my wife turned to me and she said, cause it's a clip, like you're on the edge of your seat. And she said to me, what, like, are you kidding me? This is a terrible movie. Like, why did you make me watch this? Like, this isn't good. Cause she's, we're on the edge of our seat. Like now it's coming to the climax. The good guy's gonna win. And, and it, it doesn't always go like that. But often as I watch movies, I can't help but see uh, like this parallel between the gospel and the good news of God and, and and in a lot of movies, particularly young kids stories. I read Disney books to my daughter and there always seems to be, you know, you're introduced to the characters and then there's this good person and then all of a sudden the villain comes in to destroy the day but then the good guy rises up and overtakes the villain and then um, people live happily ever after and it's this extraordinary story. And you see that a lot in movies like that as well. This this gospel message weaved through and, and, and like I said, not all movies are like that but this is kind of the message of the good news this is the message of God that humanity that God created a world that was perfect humanity lived in perfect harmony and then entered the villain into the story and he tries to destroy humanity and, and, he, and, he, and we, we go against God we go our own way out of our own pride we turn our back on what God intended for how for humanity to live And then the villain comes in, but the hero comes in to save the day. It's extraordinary. That's Jesus, if you didn't know that. He comes in and He saves the day. He becomes the saviour and we live happily ever after. Now we still experience difficulties and trials in this world, but one day, one day, the Creator will set everything right. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache. This is a great movie. This is a great plot. This is a great story. And you are a part of the story. Don't you see it? You're in the story. And if you, if you don't know the story, like personally tonight, you can tonight. You can know what that means for your very life. It's a great, great message. It's a true message of hope and love and grace of a Saviour who wants to know you personally. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And maybe you need to be reminded of that this very night. And Paul, this is what he's saying here to the church in Galatia. Let me remind you of the essence of the gospel. This is what it's about. Christ in Him alone and the love that He has for you. Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales, carrying her tiny baby in her arms. When she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard, she never reached her destination. And when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searches beneath a mound of snow. But they discovered that before her death, she had taken off all her outer clothing and wrapped it around her baby. When they unwrapped the child to their great surprise and joy, they found he was alive and well. She had mounted her body over his and given her life for her child, proving the depths of her mother love. Years later, that child, David Lloyd George, grown to manhood, became prime minister of Great Britain and without doubt, one of England's greatest statesmen. Again, a reminder of sacrificial love. And we read these stories and we say, that's powerful. That's amazing. That's extraordinary. That's, I hope you do. hope something in your heart says, that's amazing. And this is what Christ has done for you. This is what he's done for you. In the very same way, he laid down his life so that you could know him. Actually, one of the other movies that we watched as well was um, uh, Lee Strobel, The Case of Christ. There's a movie on it again. Actually, it's worthwhile watching. It's quite powerful as he sets out to prove Christianity wrong as a journalist. And again, he reaches a point where someone reminds him, he gets this point where there is overwhelming evidence for the fact that Jesus lived, walked on this earth, died on a cross and rose again, overwhelming evidence. And he's confronted with that and he needs to make a choice. But the thing that he wrestles with near the end of the movie is, but why would he do this? Why would Christ do that? And someone turns to him and says, because of love, because of love, because he loves you. Anyway, he, his life is radically transformed, but this is it. It's the gospel of God. He loves you so much. He values you so much. He loves you. He loves you. Hear that clearly this very night. And as Paul reminds us that according to the will of God, that God came to seek and save which was lost. He longs to be in relationship with you. There's another story. Air Florida Flight 90 had just taken off from Washington National Airport on January 13th, 1982. When the plane stalled and crashed into the 14th Street Bridge before plunging through the ice and into the Pumatic River, everyone on board apart from six passengers was killed and as a helicopter promptly flew in to rescue the survivors, as the rescue crew airlifted the survivors out of the water, one by one they noticed that one man, Arlen Williams, kept on handing the life ring they were lowering to the other passengers rather than choosing to save himself. He managed to save everyone else in the water but perished himself, just as the rescue helicopter was coming back for him one final time. Again, it's a reminder of the sacrificial love, a reminder of what Christ has done for us. Paul reminds the church in Galatia, and we're reminded this very night, this is the heart of the gospel, he loves you. God loves you, that Christ laid down his life. We love because he first loved us. And Paul goes on to say, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in this grace. He's saying them, don't you? This is the essence of the gospel. Don't abandon it. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, you know, quickly desert it. Um, that, that, you, who you were called to live in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which Paul says, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. In other words, he's saying, don't, don't miss the, the essence of the gospel. It's nothing, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to fix up your life. You don't need to add anything to it. The gospel is Christ and Him alone. That's your entry point to heaven. So don't, don't try and add to it. Don't listen to Judea, uh, Judaizers that are coming in and sharing about how, yes, it's Christ, but you need to fulfil these laws as well. No, that's wrong. That's not right. Don't be persuaded by that. It's simply Christ and Him alone. The truth is this: that I am convinced that we've all fallen into this category at one time or another. We've all thought to ourselves at one point, "Yes, I know it's Christ," but and particularly along the journey in the Christian faith, uh, that you know, if I just kind of, if I do this for God, then I know it's Christ alone. But if I serve and I do this, then maybe He'll kind of be a bit pleased with me anyway. You know, like I'll I'll help out a garage sale, for example, I will move some boxes, and He'll be thinking, "Oh, that's pretty good." You know, that's impressive. Um, or or I join, a sign up, or I run a connect group, or I do ministry of some sort in the local church, or I go and help my neighbour or down the road. Then, then, then maybe God will, maybe I'll be in better standing with God, or something like that. But the truth and the reality is, that's not true. Don't be, don't be persuaded by thinking you've got to do some things, and then maybe you'll be in better standing. No, God loves you as you are, and actually, it's quite different. That when you understand the depths of this love, when you know His love for you, it actually propels you to do those things. It's quite freeing. You don't need to do anything for Him. But when you get that revelation of God's love in our lives, then it compels you to go. It compels you to take action. You know, one of the things about evangelism is, is that, uh, you know, it's not so much a problem of, oh, we just don't wanna go. I think it's actually a problem of, of, of receiving His love. When we encounter the love of Christ, it compels us to go. It's not necessarily a going problem, it's a receiving problem. When you love something, it's easy to just pour your life into it, isn't it? Some of you, you love football and and you get your mates around, you do a big night and it's it's so easy to put on those nights. Why? Because you love football. And when you encounter the love of God, it changes you in such a way, you you, you go, you're compelled to go. It's not often a going problem, it's a receiving problem. We need to be reminded of the love of Christ and how it changes us and impact our lives. And when we understand His great depth of love for us, we're like, what can I do for you? It's why you've often heard, sometimes you see these testimonies sometimes where people have had this radically wild past but then they encounter Christ and they're just radical for Jesus in that moment you know it's, Jesus talks about this in scripture those that have been forgiven much will love much and maybe it's just because they've understood how how lost they were and when they encounter him and they know his love and they were so broken it just it propels them into a, in a way that that people think wow they're radical they're radical they're radical But you see, they understand how lost they were. They know how broken they were. They know how lost they were. And they're found again in Him and it compels them. They've received, they've encountered the love like never before and it compels them to go. Paul says, don't get caught up. Don't be persuaded. Don't don't miss the essence of the gospel here. Don't add anything to it. Don't think you're gonna do something for God and He's gonna be impressed. No, encounter, receive His love, receive His love. And you'll be compelled to go. You'll be compelled to do something. It'll be, it'll be out of a, a joy of your heart, not out of a sense of uh, endurance or I have to do this. You know, I don't endure, endure ministry, I enjoy it. I don't endure it, I enjoy it. Whether I was paid or not, I'd do it, I'd have to do it. When I came to faith, I said, I am going to tell people about this for the rest of my life. Why? Because this was so good, it was so extraordinary. I love doing this. I love being a part of what God wants to do in and through us. I enjoy it, I enjoy it. And so may you know tonight the love of Christ. He loves you, He loves you so much. There's nothing you can do, there's nothing that you've done. You can't add anything to it. A couple of days ago, my daughter said to me, hey, Dad, would you, do you want to come and do some drawing with me? And I sat up at the kitchen table. I said, yeah, all right, I'll come and do a bit of drawing. And, and so she had these little, uh, I don't know, just little uh, angel type picture things that she was colouring in. And so I sat down and I, I started, and I started to colour in like maybe one of the wings of this angel. And I looked at it and I thought, that's pretty good. You know, i was impressed. And uh, here it is, a little photo up here. So obviously mine's the left. How good is that? No, no, mine's the right there. But look, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty epic. You gotta be honest, hey, that's amazing. But look what I did even with the hair. See the strokes in the hair, I sort of double layered that. And, um, and so I was impressed. And I was drawing this going, wow, this is good. Now I distinctly remember, I distinctly remember her saying to me at one point, cause she kept telling me how good hers was. And I was like, yeah, no, it's pretty good. Like, I mean, you know, that's not that good, is it? Like, Look at it. Like, and uh, anyway, we'll edit that out of the podcast so she never hears this. But, um, and so she was telling me, this is what she was saying. She said, oh, mine's gooder though, hey dad, mine's gooder. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, yours definitely really good. And I distinctly remember at one point, she said to me, hey dad, I'll, I'll give you a hand. And I remember thinking, no way you'll give me a hand. Like this is awesome. <laughs> This is awesome. You're not going to ruin my perfect picture here. And, uh, and so I, I sort of, I got around it somehow. I said, oh no, why don't you do another one? She did about nine of them to my one. And, uh, but there was no way I was going to let her give her a hand. Why? Because that looks amazing. It's epic. Like you, you, let's be honest. It's perfect. It's perfect. And so, and so, but this is what we do. Christ in His perfection lived the perfect life and He's enough he's enough. But what we do is we come to the Father and we say, I know he's enough, but let me give you a hand, like I'll help you out. As if we're going to add something good to it and God's going to be like, wow, that's impressive. He's not going to be impressed. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about that even our righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. We're not going to come before a holy God and say, oh God, look, I helped you colour this in. It's way better. It's not. It's not way better. And this is what Paul's saying here. He's saying, don't Don't miss the fact that the gospel is about Christ and Him alone, that He loves you just as you are. You don't need to impress Him. You don't need to do more things for Him. You don't need to do any of that stuff. It's not about that. You just come as you are and you revel in the love of Christ and what He's done for you. And hey, if you feel compelled to do something for Him, then so be it. But it'll be out of of that love relationship, not out of a sense of I better do this or I better impress Him in some way or another. He loves you. He loves you. And so maybe we've all done this at one point or another. Maybe we've all done this at one point in our lives where we thought, hey, I might just add my own things as if he's gonna be impressed. And to be honest with you, I'm sure, and uh, even, even the hidden motives of our heart. You know, sometimes we, we consciously maybe do it, but even subconsciously, we don't even realise, but there's hidden motives in our heart. There's this inner pride that says, "You know, oh, look, I get an opportunity to do this. And maybe you've thought like that before, but you know what? God's not impressed. God's not impressed because you had an opportunity to, you know, to do something for him and, and you're thinking, oh, I'll be in better right standing with him. He's not impressed by that. You just revel in his love and his grace and his mercy. And Paul reminds the church, he says, this is what it's about. And so tonight, know this, you don't need to do anything for God. You don't, you don't, you don't need to try and serve him as if to achieve something for him. It's not about that. He loves you. He loves you just as you are. I came across this story. I'm just gonna mention a couple of things. But I came across this this last story, again, a reminder of the sacrificial love of Christ. It says this one day, an 11-year-old girl asked her daddy, what are you going to get me for my 15th birthday? Her father replied, please wait, there is much time left. When the girl was 14 years old, she fainted and was rushed to hospital. The doctor came out and told her dad that she had a bad heart and that she was probably going to die. When she was lying in hospital bed, she said softly, daddy, Have they told you that I'm going to die? The father replied, No, you are not. um, uh, The father replied, No, you are going to live. As he left her room weeping. She asked, How can you be so sure, Daddy? He turned around from the door and said, Because I know. A short time later, she turned 15. After she was released from the hospital and recovering, she came home to find a letter on her bed which read, My dearest daughter. If you are reading this letter, it means that everything went well. Just as I told you it would be. A little while ago, you asked me what I was going to give you for your 15th birthday. I didn't know then, but my present to you was my heart. And he gave his heart to his daughter. Again, it's a reminder of the sacrificial love. We read stories like this and we say, that's, that's absolutely mind-blowing. It's remarkable. How could someone do such a thing? But don't you see it? Don't you get it? It's been done for you. It's been done for you. Christ laid down his life to show his deepest love for you. And you don't need to do anything. You just come before him and say, I want to receive that love. I want to receive that free gift that is on an offer, an offer uh, from you. Just this very afternoon, I, I don't know why, but I just felt compelled to write down a list of things that for some of you, you may be going through or have been through. And, and maybe for some of you, you've struggled to accept his love. And I get it because it's hard in our culture in which we live. It's about, no, you've got to do this and achieve that. I wrote down a list of things and I just wrote down if you've ever lied to someone, if you've ever felt jealous or envious towards someone or something, if you've had malice thoughts or acted maliciously towards someone else, if you've ever lost your temper, been cruel, acted unjustly, dishonoured someone, people or family, coveted someone else's possessions, career, family, kids, wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, even appearance. If you've ever secretly hoped the worst for someone or a group of people, if you've ever stolen something, cheated someone, received a reward, prize or accolade that didn't really belong to you or you didn't deserve, if you've ever held unforgiveness, pride, if you've ever broken a promise, gossiped about someone else to others that you know would hurt them or worse still falsely gossip to others to get revenge, if you've ever idolized or worshiped something or someone other than God, if you've ever committed adultery or if you've ever cheated, tonight hear this, God says to you, I love you. You see, probably every single one of us have fallen into that category at some point or another. And some of you sit here and you say, there's no way I could accept his love. But he says to you this very afternoon or this very night, I love you. In the very very essence of this, I love you. But you know what? It's more than that. He was there when you acted in that way. He was there when you did that towards someone else. He, he saw it. He heard it. He saw the very act. And he says to you this very night, I love you. I love you. Nothing will change that. Nothing will change that. Don't try and fix up your life. Don't try and sort it out. You just come to a God who loves you just the way that you are. And your life will be changed and transformed from within. Maybe that's you this very moment. You don't know why, but you feel like you need to respond. If that's you tonight, in some way, just a fresh reminder of his love, I want you to just stand up right now, just in front of others. Don't worry about eyes closed. If you know that's you tonight, I just want you to stand and I want to pray for you in this moment. Maybe just count down for three. Three. Two. One. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you for your grace and your love in our lives. The reality is that for all of us, we've all fallen short of the glory of You and tonight is a reminder of Your love and Your grace for us. It's a reminder, great God, that You love us unconditional of what we do for You and we just wanna say thank You so much. I'm convinced that there's some even here in this very moment, some here tonight, great God, that maybe have never responded to You at all about Your love and Your grace in their lives. If that's you tonight, you don't know why, but there's this pounding on your heart and you feel a sense to respond. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. Just, uh, you can say a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's a simple prayer as an act of response to God. Just say, Yes, God, I, I want to know your love and your grace in my own life. So you can repeat this prayer after me in your head and in your heart. Dear God, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to thank you for rising again and overcoming death. I wanna receive your gift of love and mercy right now. I want you to come and take full control of my life. I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. I wanna follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for those that responded. Maybe it was the first time, maybe it was a a recommitment in some way or another for others, great God. But tonight has been a great reminder of your love for us, regardless of who we are and what we've done. You love us unconditionally and that changes everything, great God. Continue to remind us of that love and through that love, I pray, great God, that we would be compelled to go just as you loved us, that we would love others. So we thank you, great God. We worship you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. It's
1: a powerful truth, the good news of the gospel. And throughout this series, we're going to hear um, how this incredible message, the power in this message, transforms lives, implications for every area of our life. But tonight, if you're here and you prayed that prayer in your own heart tonight and you said, yes, I want it. I want to do that. I want to take that step of faith in Jesus and what He's done for me on the cross. And I want to encourage you tonight to grab one of these Bible gift packs that we have here. We love to give these away to people. If you came with a friend tonight, just tell them, I want to grab that. Even, even if you're you're still searching, exploring faith, but you something tonight spoke to your heart You said, I want to know more. I really encourage you to grab one of these. There's a Bible in here and some information to help you on your journey. Tell your friend if you came with someone, they'll be able to help you as well well. We'd love to connect you in with some others. Our Alpha course, which just started tonight, is a fantastic course to do to find out more about this as well. Millions of people around the world have done this course and found it very helpful in understanding the truth, this life-transforming message of the gospel. So I want to encourage you in that. But now we want to respond in worship. So don't we stand together on our feet. We're going to sing these words of truth about what He has done for us, who we are because of His incredible sacrifice for us, because God loves us and has redeemed us. Let's worship Him. Lift our voices in praise tonight. Oh Lord, we thank You for this incredible truth, Lord. What an amazing thought to know that the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the Most High God, invites us, creates an opportunity for us to become His children. And so Lord, I pray that the truth of this message would grab hold of our hearts because you look at us as your children you say you love us unconditionally. You've given everything for us so that we might live in the freedom of this truth, Lord. I pray for each and every person here tonight that this message will take hold in their heart, that they will know the assurance of eternal life, Lord, that you've prepared a place for us eternally with you. No fear in death anymore because, Lord, you have made a way, great God, And so I pray you'd fill our hearts with worship for you, great God. Glory to you forever and ever and ever. You're the only one who deserves the glory because it was all you're doing, Lord. And so we honour you, we worship you, we sing your praises and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I want to encourage you tonight, if you're responding, God's speaking to you, come down the front afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. Ask God to help you. In fact, if you have any need at all here tonight, we are a praying people, and God responds when we seek Him in prayer. We'd love to pray for you tonight. Come and grab one of the pastors after service. Do stay afterwards as well, as we share in uh, pizzas um, outside. With the food truck's going to be there. ping-pong time to connect with one another. But can we thank God tonight, put our hands together, and just praise Him and honor Him. He's a good God. The gospel is good news for all people. And so we praise Him in this place. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Thanks so much for sharing with us forward to seeing you again soon. God bless.